this a dream? Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark's movie reviews, a spoiler-free discussion detailing the good, the bad, and the downright ridiculous of anime movies. I'm your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and I am joined tonight by our chivalry of Shota Shotaro. Hit me up on Chatterbay and I stream Tuesday to Thursday, 10 to 2. <laughs> Wait, Melody, is that you? <laughs> you wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um silliness out of the way um we are here tonight you and i to do a review of a silent voice yes <laughs> and though and you're laughing even though that wasn't silent that was a whisper yeah i know <laughs> it's the best it's the best you could do with an audio only format. Uh, i Shut wish up. it was silent mm. anyway a little bit of background information on this movie so this movie is directed by uh naoko yamada who is probably best known for her work with other uh kyoto animation works such as Kaon and tamako market as well as she wasn't uh like the series director but she was a unit director on sound euphonium and I believe she also was the director of Liz and the Bluebird, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, she was. Um, Wasn't she also uh, involved in Free? I believe so, but I don't believe she was a director. She was an episode director, but she wasn't a series I director. I see. Um, but yes. Um, and it is based on a mangaka originally done by uh, Yoshitoki Oima. The movie is not... <laughs> Naoko Yamada's life although that'd be cool um as I said before it's produced by Kyoto Animation it was released in theaters in Japan on September 17th 2016 uh and it drew an initial international box office revenue of about 33 million US dollars and for anyone who is thinking of watching it 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 is at least as of the time of this recording recording easy for me to say currently streaming on netflix which Yay. is where i watched it and i believe you watched it as well yes right? all right so now that that's out of the way let's actually talk about what we thought about the movie starting with the art and animation well it is kyoto animation so i have high expectations and i was not disappointed the character designs were utterly gorgeous um Lots of blushes, lots of rippling cheeks. I'm talking about the face, not anywhere else, okay? Lots of, like, flowing, beautiful hair. Um, Kyoto Animation did not hold back on their beautiful designs. Also, I mean, this is is directed by Naoko Yamada, who, like I said, directed K-On! And yes, the girls in this movie do have thick thighs. How am I? Um, maybe. Also, the background uh, art was really, really good. Wasn't I felt well. like I it was it was lacking, really, com- uh, for Kyoto Animation by their standards. Oh, especially well, since this maybe is a by film. Kyoto standards, but by general anime standards, I thought the background art was really good. I mean, yeah, it's definitely better than your average studio, but I feel like not as good as. Kyoto animation could have but it didn't really hold the film back I thought I mean this is like set in high school I don't need to see beautiful pictures of a high school if the characters are beautiful then that's all that really matters really like your justification like it's high school who cares I've seen I a million really, high schools in anime it's true though like if it was a fantasy show then I need to see 
good backgrounds, but this is like a slice of life. So, yeah, you may, I guess you make a good point. I mean, you have seen one Japanese high school. You've kind of seen them all. Yeah, I've seen none, but I've seen them all animated. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, not just the designs were good. Like, obviously, the characters were also animated really well. It's Kyoto animation. It's what you expect. They move beautifully. Yeah. They jiggle in all the right places. <laughs> it's truly, it's truly amazing. I, I would like to point out that the you know for a slice of life show you don't necessarily expect there to be a lot of action and there's not in this. But the scenes where there there is a lot of motion, the motion itself is animated really well. There's a specific scene in the movie where the uh, main characters are going to an amusement park and they're on a roller coaster, and that's animated so well. Like you would, I, I honestly cannot believe that this was not like um cgi it, it's hand drawn and like what the fuck and they they did some really great cinematography with that roller coaster scene like they did mm-hmm. some great shots of um what you see at the top of the roller coaster looking down on the theme park it was really it's really great well i wouldn't it's very i don't know if it was great directing i wouldn't say great directing i would say it's very involved directing the director took a lot of liberties and I will say the liberties that she took in the roller coaster scene was definitely impressive. But there are some other liberties that I don't necessarily appreciate. Well, I might as well just well, there there mm-hmm. were a lot of visual metaphors in in this movie, and a lot of it's done solely with the cinematography, which was it was great to see. I mean, I like that. It, it's no. great, and it's great that all the visual metaphors themselves weren't like in your face. Some of them are open to interpretation. A good one is um, about halfway through the movie or so. Um, you start to see X's appear over people's faces that the MC uh, or the main character rather hasn't uh, connected with. Um, I mean, that's definitely one way of interpreting it, which I think it was your way. But I also, while I do interpret it that way as well, I also interpret it as a great visual metaphor for what shyness is like. Or social anxiety or Mm. like any traumatic stress disorder, anything like that. But yeah, it's definitely open to interpretation. They didn't like shove it in your face. This is what this means. They just like put it out there. And it was a subtle, vague uh, way to show the emotions that the character was feeling and I definitely enjoyed that and it was definitely another instance where the director took a lot of liberties um, but my main problem with the liberties that she took was that a lot of the scenes are there are a lot of fast cuts um, mm. so like you're watching one event happen and then you quickly cut to a different event and then you quickly cut back and it's like all this whiplash cutting which for some people for the zoomers out there it might keep your attention but i think it was just a little too much i kind of lost the flow of what was going on um because the cuts were so quick um and another directorial choice that kind of threw me off a little was the extensive use of um flashbacks and flash forwards um i mean it definitely helped me engage and like actively think about oh is this before is this after is this during is this a dream i had to always think about that because i did not know 
Um, but yeah, it, it's worth pointing out that like the very first scene in this movie takes place at about the one third mark of the actual movie. Like yeah. you start with a flash forward and then immediately flash back. Yes. Yeah, so you have to mentally engage with the movie. You can't just sit back and let it go. You do. Yeah, have it's to definitely decipher. not. A, it's definitely not a popcorn flick. No. For sure. Um, yeah, you got to pay attention to this, it, it, and it will it will not reward you if you take your attention away from it for more than a minute. Yeah, um, which can be a good or a bad thing. For me, it kind of detracted from the movie. It was a bit too much for me. Um, I've, I I kind of lost me a bit there. So maybe calm down a little, uh, Nalco. Yeah, I mean, I I do I do appreciate the fact that you you. The, the story isn't necessarily told in the most linear way. I actually kind of like when stories do that, but I do agree that especially in the very beginning, there does seem to be a lot of flashbacks, flash forwards, and you're never really sure where the story is supposed to be at any one point. I, it is nice though, that that kind of tapers out as the story goes on. Same with the fast cuts that you mentioned earlier. There are a lot of really fast cuts, especially between the flashbacks and flash forwards in the beginning half of the movie. But by the second half that, that starts to taper off a little bit. Yeah. I just don't feel like a story like they were trying to tell it necessarily required there to be so many flashbacks and flash forwards. Um, but I would agree whatever. with that, yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. It, it could have it could have told it in a little more of a linear fashion, but as someone who actually appreciates nonlinear storytelling, I didn't mind it so much. Good for you. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the sound and the scoring. So um, since the plot of this movie actually revolves around one of the main characters being deaf. I was I was curious as to what you thought about how that was done in this movie. Well, well the Spe- very first... Specifically with the voice acting. Yeah, the very first moment she uttered a word, I was like, oh God, what is this wretched voice? But then, I, like, as I got used to her, I'm like, you know, it's like, it's not horrible, but it has a little bit of cuteness to it. But at the same time, you know, it's like you can tell she's trying really hard to say words, but she can't pronounce them correctly. So I will say that Saori Hayami, who was the voice actress of the deaf girl, uh, did a really good job in, um, you know, enunciating all of the emotions behind what uh, or and all of the experiences behind her character into her voice. Um mm. It took me off guard because I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, but I do I, as uh, as you see her range as you watch the entire movie. Um, it was a really great performance. Yeah, um, the the character that that she portrays obviously is deaf, and it, it it's never expressly stated, but it's kind of implied that she was born at least partially deaf. So she's been dealing with this most, if not all, of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she did. Uh, she knocked it out of the park, really. It, it, personally, um, it's it's a really great example of like playing it straight because that's how a lot of people who are born deaf kind of sound. They don't enunciate their words quite right, and they kind of string out the words longer than they probably should be uh, because they've never really heard themselves. Definitely, and I I definitely agree. It takes a lot of talent to be able to do a performance like that, and. Uh, a lot of the Japanese voice actors are talented, but um, I will definitely say this stands above what I've seen. 
So it was definitely yeah. a really great. I, I feel like I, I feel like Saudi Hayami probably spent some time with deaf people listening to them before she actually recorded this role. Would and not that's be surprised. Might, might be why it's it's so good. I would say it, it's a really great portrayal of someone who's deaf. Um, I mean, obviously she had nothing to do with the animation, but the way they animate the sign language too was really good. I guess I should have mentioned that earlier. Um, oh yeah, that was good. Mm. Also, I, I was I was interested to hear you say this because I honestly believe this too. It, it should also be pointed out. Both of us watched the. Uh, the sub and not the dub. I have I have yet to actually see the dub of this movie. I don't know if it's any good, um, but this is how I originally watched it, so I decided to rewatch it subbed as well. Um, the voice actor that did the child version of Shoya, the main character, uh-huh. did not do a great performance as a child. I mean, I don't really like most child... Like, when there is a character with a child version, the child... The actress or actor who plays the child is usually not that great and um this wasn't great either i didn't i, yeah. I was like what noises are coming out of your, vo- your nasty mouth stop please i yeah that, i didn't i didn't really I, I i don't know what happened because the the voice actor um uh miro you know e no who played adult show yeah actually did a really good job and then i who was the voice actor that did the child uh mayu matsuoka mm-hmm. i just, i don't know what happened it's almost like she was phoning it in yeah it it did sound like that um but yeah i i, I don't know what happened there um and it, that and that's odd for something that kyoani does because kyoani is usually really good when it comes to you know their voice acting roles you know, picking actors out to do them. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know what happened. I mean, yeah. In um, general, I find like child version of characters to be not that acted that well, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you get an actual child to do that, do it, which has happened a few times. And I think that actually ends up being better, um, which maybe they should have done that in this case. Maybe. Uh, but moving on from voice acting to the OST. Oh my God. How fucking, uh, Okay. <laughs> there's, there, there's, oh, there's a reason. That, the, part of the reason that QNE movies make me cry is because of their OST, and this one was no different. Like the really impactful, uh, soft piano music that plays during the the really sad moments. It's it, it, oh my god, it gets you right in the kokoro. Oh yes, and um, there was one track that played near the end at the I guess climax question mark. Or the resolving scene of the sh- of the film um, that was especially uh, yeah, memorable. Mm. And let us not forget the film's op is fucking my generation by the Who. It's pretty appropriate. Oh my god! I really like the opening <laughs> sequence. It's cute. Mm. It is. And it, listen, uh, John and I have talked about this on other podcasts, like. Seriously, Japan, just start putting more Western music in your anime. It's really good. From this century. Excuse me. The Who is a fucking legendary mm. band. I will not sit here and let you fucking disparage them, you fucking mm. piece of shit. Um, other than that, I do want to point out one last thing. I didn't write this down, but um, there is an extensive sequence about the two-thirds at the two thirds point in the movie that takes place over like a summer vacation 
kind of thing. Um, a lot of the sound design in that, like the, the Foley and the sound design in that particular sequence is really good. Um, when they're going around like the, I don't even know what it's supposed to be, like some kind of a national park or something. Hmm. Um, I just, all the, the sound design in that particular sequence is really, really good. Uh, it, it actually sounded like they were outside on a summer day and, and like I as someone who was watching it with headphones on like I could close my eyes and picture myself being outside in the summertime like without even seeing what was going on on the screen I guess so. that was really cool mm-hmm. all right so moving on to the meat of this movie and that is its story um so the, the overall story of a silent voice revolves around the idea of bullying and then handles that with themes of repentance, forgiveness, and karma. Because karma is a bitch. Mm-hmm. I thought they handled these themes really well. Um, I mean, I guess they're generic themes, but they felt fresh and interesting hmm. in this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and considering that a lot of anime... Uh, have revolved around high school and high school life. It was really interesting to see how fresh that this was, considering that it still takes place largely in a high school setting. And, um, I mean, it's focused on, you know, bullying in, uh, well, not high school. The bullying happened in, like... Primary and high school, yes. But um, bullying in schools is a big problem for Japan. And, um, first of all, I'm glad that this story handled such a large societal problem um, with such a delicacy. First of all, that's uh, I'm thankful yeah. for that and maturity too. Yes. It like shows it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, and second of all, you know, I've seen this sort of plot theme of bullying at school a lot in anime, but never have I seen these plot threads get the type of closure that you get in a silent voice like a silent voice is like fully deep into you know recognizing that you've done something wrong and trying your damnedest to make up for it and Mm. for such to well in my opinion such a horrible problem as this i'm really glad that a silent voice takes the problem seriously and goes to such extents to, you know, show how you should be, like, stopping and thinking about what you've been doing and making up for it. So that was really satisfying to see. Yes, absolutely. Um, It's also worth mentioning that, at least for me, there is, in Western fiction of late, especially Western fiction aimed at a younger audience, there is a disturbing trend of romanticizing things like, you know, disabilities and mental illness. And that wasn't done in this story. Like, uh, the, um, uh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, Shoko, um, like her physical disability of, you know, being deaf isn't romanticized in any way. It's not, they don't make it her entire character, right? It's a part of her character, but it's not her whole character. Like, there's more to her underneath all of this. It's just up to the people around her to pull it out. Is there more to her? Yeah. There's clearly more to her. If you say so. I mean, I, I have my problems. I, I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like this story doesn't do anything 
at all to romanticize the fact that she is deaf. I mean, I kind of disagree. Maybe she wasn't, like, fetishized, but I think she may have been romanticized. Because she's, like, I, I, the... I didn't see it. She's, like, was. the, like, helpless victim that you have to look after. You have to protect. <sighs> I, I, to me, that's not that's not necessarily a, a romanticization as much as it is just a characterization. That seems like I mean, a she obviously she obviously was dealt a, a difficult hand in life, if if indeed she was born deaf, which the story implies that she was, or at least born partially deaf. And a lot of her struggle is her trying to number one accept that and live with it, and number two trying to accept those around her that want to help her be better. It was her whole character revolves around her being deaf. I, well, no. my biggest problem was that the romance that occurs in the story just it didn't feel it didn't feel it felt really forced, which makes me feel like she, her character wasn't really like fleshed out properly. She was just there to be the love interest. Which maybe was a problem with the fact that this is a film adaptation of a manga and they skipped over some scenes or something. I'm not entirely sure. But that 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 could definitely be. I feel like the romance kind of rushed ahead of itself. I didn't I didn't quite see I... the chemistry. And then it just happened and I felt like, you know, there's the main character that's a man and then we're gonna just plop in a woman for him to have so i'm like uh <laughs> i didn't see i didn't understand the chemistry i didn't see it there let me ask you let me let me ask you this so obviously as we've said this deals with like bullying and stuff uh-huh. so and it also kind of shows that bullying can be just as bad for the person being bullied as it is the bully themselves because then the bully can go you know, forward in life to just absolutely hate themselves for doing what they did. Uh-huh. Um, do you think that the main character, or the main male character of uh, Shoya actually is, uh, d- actually does repent by the end of the story? Well, of course he repents, girl. <laughs> he repents more than I would expect. But that's a good thing. I guess. I, I guess. I guess the correct question I'm supposed. I should ask is, uh, does he do enough to repent? Which I guess you oh. would also say yes. Well, no, not necessarily. Um, like the damage he's done cannot be undone, so I don't think anything he can do can really make up fully, balance it out equally. Um, but he's definitely done more than I would have expected. So well, he's done more than your average person would have probably definitely. for sure. Yeah. Do you think he deserves to be forgiven by the end? Um I mean it's uh, that's these are fictional characters um and like I don't know. <laughs> yes. It's it, that's a very awkward um question cuz I would say like if <laughs> I'm tempted to say it's up to her whether he deserves to be forgiven or not, but she's like a fictional character. So I guess he deserves to be forgiven. Hmm. I guess so. I would. I would agree. I. I think he's as you say. He's done way more than the average person would have by the end of the story, and he definitely deserves the forgiveness that he that he seems to have been given. Actually, no. I, I redact uh, that. I don't think he deserves anything. If he's forgiven, okay. I will accept it. If he's not forgiven, I will accept. It. I accept both scenarios. 
Okay. Because interesting. Because, like I said, there's nothing you can do to make up for the damage he's done. So, really, I w- I would disagree. I mean, there's obviously you can't go back in time, so you can't change what's been done. But you can you can always make up for things that you've done in the past. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Like I said, you can't change it because it's you know, the arrow of time only goes one way, but. You can make up for it, yeah. I mean, uh, it's obviously up to the person things. you did these things to. There's some things you can't make up for. I disagree. Okay. But, um, anyway, I think one thing you and I can definitely agree on is that the plot of this movie has many, many feely moments. Yes. Um, do you think the movie handled them well? Oh, definitely. That's the best part of the movie are the feely moments. That's why you watch this movie. Is to cry yes. your fucking eyes out. Which is what I told you before we started recording. Like, give me five minutes. I gotta stop crying. Uh huh. You're a fucking <laughs> fire hydrant all the time, Alex. Uh, you should have seen me when I saw this in theaters the first oh, time. Oh no, you made a huge <laughs> mess. Mm hmm. I mean, and this is par for the course for Kyo Any, especially lately with the movies they've been putting out. I mean, uh, I fucking, I fucking cried at the. Uh, uh, Violet Evergarden movie slash OVA thing from a couple months ago. Hey, like, force me to watch that too. Maybe it's really good. Mm. Um, but this is something that that Kyoani has has proven themselves to be really good at over the years is tapping into like the human condition and making us all fucking feel it, whether we want to or not. Yeah. Uh, I, I like wrapping up here about the story though, and I I do kind of agree with you on this that. At the end, it almost feels like the story ends right in the middle of the resolution. And there's not a lot of, like, well, I won't say not a lot, but there's, there doesn't seem to be a completed sense of closure to the character arcs. Yeah, it was a bit sloppy, you know. I didn't really get the chemistry with the romance. Um, a lot of the quick cuts and flash forwards and flashbacks kind of made the whole plot feel disjointed. Um, the pacing was a little awkward. It felt like, you know... The pacing of the last 10 to 15 oh, minutes yeah. were really yeah. different from the rest of the movie. And it just felt like it was a compilation of various scenes at various times in these two people's lives. And the, those scenes weren't necessarily pulled together in the most you know, smooth and, uh, you know, persuasive way. It was a little choppy. Um, yeah, that's one complaint I have about the narrative. Um, but speaking about the characters, I will say one of the strong points of the movie was that they had really distinct characters that had really interesting personalities, especially, you know, the moms were definitely, or I guess, no, I guess there were only moms, there well, weren't really parents. One, one, one was a mother-ish character, but yes. Oh, was one not their biological mother? No, it was a sister, an older sister, but acted like a mother oh, figure. okay, well, the mother-like uh, characters were definitely more active in their parental roles than I would expect um, mm-hmm. from an anime, um, which... I definitely appreciated um, that one. It's one of my biggest. It's one of my biggest complaints about a lot of anime that deal with like high school age characters is you never see their parents and they don't seem to have any fucking like role in their lives. 
And you, but in this one, yeah. there's obvious, there's obviously parent or parental figures that have a role in these people's lives. I mean, it made the the story more real, especially with you know clearly mm. the story was trying to show the main character's struggle was trying to not disappoint his mother, um, and that felt more real since we knew the mother as mm-hmm. a distinct character with her own personality, um, and like also I really appreciated. Uh, that one black-haired character that had a crush on the the main male character, um, who was like oh, basically Uno? the bitch of the show. Yeah, Uno. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you know, she was like completely horrible, and I hated her. But you know, she had a really distinct uh, character, and I definitely remembered her. And she had her own thing going on. So I like that they did like. Honestly, even though I hated her so much, she had a bit more of a personality than the ma- than the main uh, heroine. So yes, I mean, I- I've said my complaints with the heroine, but a lot of the other side characters are very distinct, and I do appreciate mm-hmm. that they took the time to flesh out their cast. And and speaking of the side characters, so as much as the plot sort of revolves around this romance between the two main characters, something else that the story kind of looks at is what it asks the question, what is the nature of friendship? Because that's actually a question that the main character has, like, what is this friendship thing? Like, what does it mean to be friends? Oh, honey, a rose by any other name. <laughs> I just I just thought that was really really good uh, number one it's a really good question especially as you get older it becomes more and more difficult to make and maintain friendships so it, it's a really good question to ask as you get older like wh- why am I friends with these people is it worth being friends with these people why can't I be friends with these other people I did like I, the joke that the character answered to that question that was kind of funny um, mm. but yeah I mean, I didn't find it that deep, but I just felt like it was just a part of dealing with, you know, the mental stress of having done all these horrible things as a child and trying to deal with that. Yeah. And like I said, like a lot of times bullying is just as bad for the person doing the bullying as it is for the person being bullied, especially later in life when you start to realize, oh my God, I was a horrible person. I mean, I feel like in a fictional fantasy that's true but i don't know if that's true in, like in all in all real life situations it Probably should not, be true but, I'm sure I, but I, I don't know it if should it be yes yes in an ideal world it would be true all the time i i, I think that maybe for a minority of people who were bullies they have these issues later like they realize oh my god i was a horrible person mm-hmm but anyway, wrapping this up, uh, so what score are we going to give this out of 10 show? So I'm going to be the black sheep and give this a lukewarm 7 out of 10. I really liked the emotional moments. It's Gr- higher than you give most anime great movies. Great animation, but my problems with the pacing and the fact that it was all disjointed and choppy made me, it didn't have an overall large impact on me. Um, I didn't feel, there was a bit of closure, but I didn't feel like everything was wrapped up by the end. Um, yeah. So I can, I mean, it was a good experience. I definitely recommend watching it, but will it stand out to me as something I want to rave about for the next however long? Not necessarily. Would you say it's a good movie to watch with your family? 
uh, I, I don't. Well, first of all, you'd have to watch it dubbed. I don't know what the dub is like. Um, but that aside, I think it has enough generic appeal to watch it with your family. Yeah. Okay. Um, I gave this unsurprisingly a nine out of ten. I mean, it's Kyoani, and I've been very straightforward about my love for Kyoani on this podcast many, many times. Um, but. Um, the only thing that keeps it really from being a, like a 10 out of 10 for me is something that you and I definitely agree with. Like the ending, the resolution doesn't feel necessarily like a resolution. It feels like it stops about halfway through actually being resolved. And I thought, you know, with how flash forward slash flashback happy the beginning of the story was, why couldn't we get like a flash forward at the end to show like where the characters go from here? Might as well. That would have been nice. Well, we need a sequel, right? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. I will never say no to anything that Kyoani makes. Nope. Uh, it's like Trigger. You can make anything and I'll probably like it. Uh, but yeah, I, I give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, great art, great sound design, great uh, OST, phenomenal OP, great choice of the Who. Someone at uh, Kyoani has great taste in music. Um, the visual metaphors throughout are really, really good. And the story is, is largely... Um, I think it largely nails what it's going for with how much of a problem, you know, bullying and being bullied is, uh, handles the themes of repentance and forgiveness very well and has an enormous amount of feels just would be nice. It would be better if it had a little bit better of an ending. Mm-hmm. And with that, that is our review of a silent voice. Thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out other episodes of the podcast, you can find us on Apple podcast, YouTube, BitChute, SoundCloud, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join us on discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email. If you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics you would like for us to talk about in the future, links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight show. The heroine should have just done the Helen Keller and talked with her hips. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's not right. That's funny, but it's not right. <laughs>